0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, here's your
2: host, Steve Saki To another edition of the Final Inspection Show. Yes, I am Steve Zotke, and my, mic- my earphones are not plugged in. So it sounds like I have a cold. Yeah, all right. There we go. Much yeah. better. Welcome. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. I would like to thank, of course, Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure you go to greatlakesdragway.com and get your 2019 season pass. Jeff, it's hard to believe. Spring is right around the corner, isn't it? Well, it didn't feel like it this morning, but yeah. A little chilly, but it looks nice. Well, it's
3: supposed to be, you know, get up to 50 uh, this afternoon. So, you know. Cars are going to be on the track at Great Lakes any day now. Cannot wait.
2: And the season pass is the way to go because you can go there whenever you want. I know. You, you got a half
3: an hour to that, you know, you want to kill. You got an hour, two hours. You're just hungry and want to walk in there and get something good to eat. Season pass, walk right in.
2: It's the way to go. And then, of course, David Hobbs Honda. I'd like to thank our friends at David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue. Make sure to check out davidhobs.com for all the latest new and use vehicles they should have something uh, that fits your needs for all for all your transportation needs make sure you check out hobbs.com and uh this is kind of an interesting weekend uh, of course as you mentioned it's March Madness and uh we have some uh, madness in auto racing too we got a traditional weekend for NASCAR Martinsville weekend one of the uh Good tracks, good uh, competition there, lots of banging and bucking and banging, and you name it. That That's the place where you're going to see it is, Martinsville. Looking forward to that. And then a new track. This is kind of interesting, Jeff. The Circuit of the Americas on the IndyCar circuit. Now, some of you, I've heard that. Yes. That's where the U.S. Grand Prix is held. Uh, so, and uh, this year is the first time that the uh, IndyCars will be racing there. So it should be interesting to see what kind of show they put on. Now, there's some of those. Well, you know, they're slower than the Indy, or than the Formula One cars. Yeah, we're not comparing that, but we're comparing what kind of show they put on. So it'll be interesting to see if the Indy cars put on a better show than Formula One, and uh, see how the public uh, uh, thinks about that.
3: Yeah, you know me. I'm I'm definitely more of a stock car guy than a F1 Indy car guy. But if I had the choice this weekend, I would be down in Austin, Texas. Uh, for the indie race at, at, at Boston, Coda.
2: just a little bit weird, right?
3: Well, you know, it is weird. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a fun city, uh, you know, a lot of good food and strange people. Uh, all the bars have live music, which I'm a huge fan of, but it was strange. Cause like when we were there, uh, it was me and the wife and they're like, Oh yeah, you got to go and at and, and, uh, dusk and check out this bridge where like 300,000 oh, bats, bats yeah. fly out. Like, are you out of your mind? There's no way oh, in hell that, that that's something I want to do. You know, be around a bunch of bats flying and pooping out. You know, like, no thanks. Uh, I'll pass on that. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's a fun town, and uh, F1 puts on a good show there every year. I, I can't imagine that IndyCar isn't going to deliver the same
2: amount of fun. So, a lot to talk about. And uh, we'll have Dennis Michelson in uh, this first hour towards the end of the first hour talking some NASCAR with him. And then at the end of the second hour, we'll be talking to Eddie Lapine uh, from RacingNation.com, and uh, talking. Uh, well, we'll get our uh, feedback from Sebring. What, what happened uh, at the 12 hours of Sebring and what's going on in the world of racing in Florida from Eddie and also predictions. So what we'll looking forward to chatting with Eddie and Dennis here in the next uh, two hours should be a fun show. We'll also, uh, having some fun segments coming up here. We're going to do one uh, that I saw on NBC Sports uh, on sports upsets in the racing world. So lots of upsets in March Madness, break it, uh, brackets breaking everywhere in that. So we'll be kind of talking about some of the upsets that happen in auto racing over the years. So looking forward to that. And in fact, what we're doing now, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, Jeff Orlowski and I will be chatting NASCAR and more on The Final Inspection Show, brought to you by David Hobbs Honda and Great Lakes Dragway.
1: This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan.
2: Show brought to you by Legendary Great League Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda, and of course uh, last week NASCAR race. Jeff, what did you think? Uh, Fontana. It
3: seemed like it was the 12 hours of Fontana last weekend. Um, you know, honestly, I I was coming back uh, from being out of town, so I I had to record it. And then I watched it later, and it took me five tries to get through that whole race. Uh, I just kept falling asleep. It was awful. It was awful. This new package has not delivered what it was supposed to deliver. Uh, you know, the with the heavy downforce, these cars are too easy to drive. It's, it's, there's no challenge on these drivers anymore. It's just pedal to the floor. But they, you know, it was supposed to encourage or you know deliver more close racing, easier to pass, all this kind of stuff. There is absolutely nothing. After three laps of a of a green flag or a restart, there's no action at all. It's like an F1
2: race, and uh, it it's boring, man. It is absolutely boring. You know. That's one concern I've had when they said they were going to increase the spoiler size, and increase downforce in that is that when you see the cars go through the corners in that they're locked on rails, mm-hmm. and and there's no spins, right? There's no you know, and I, I've I've always kind of have a criticism when when there's a racing series, and there's not a single incident all weekend. Well, the drivers are, but yes, the drivers are better. I understand that. You know, I will take uh, the drivers, you know, one through 36 today against, you know, what we had in a cup field in 1975. Whoa, right. what about Richard Petty and all? Yeah, those guys are fine. I'm talking 20 through 36. Might have, you know, these guys are more talented. They, you know, they, I'm sorry, they are. And and but still, I, I I just don't like the fact that you can run multiple series. In fact, and nobody spins out. I know. Because if I'm a fan, I'm like, well, you know, because we we have all heard the criticism from non-racing fans. Well, they're just going around in circles. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? They are just going around in circles. Yeah, they're, I mean, when, they're proving that to be right. Uh, you, you know, I mean, it 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 should look hard. There should be, we all,
3: you know, we've all heard for for many, many months now about all these uh, simulators that all the teams have and how these drivers practice these tracks on these simulators and they've got them in the team shops and all this kind of stuff. There should be a noticeable difference between sitting in front of a driving simulator and being in an actual race car on the track. And it seems like NASCAR has done everything in their power to make it where Sunday is just another simulator kind of experience for these guys by making the cars so easy to drive. If you make them where it's hard to control, you know, higher horsepower, less downforce, make it so it's hard to control, make it so I'm not watching these races and falling asleep every 20 minutes. And make it where, you know, a, the talent of the drivers comes through. And then you could sit there and a person who's sitting on their couch, like you know, back 10, 15 years ago, oh yeah, they're just, they're just driving in circles. Anybody could do that. You were wrong then, but you're more right now. And that is not the direction that NASCAR should be going in. You need to make it harder, you need to make it where, you know, you can sit there and laugh at the guy that sits there, that doesn't watch racing and says, oh, I could do that. That's not a big deal. You know, you used to be able to laugh at him and call him an idiot. Now you can't. And
2: uh, it needs to get back to the days where you could. Yeah, it was Kyle Busch, of course, who won his 200th race. Uh, who won stage one? I don't know. It was Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch. Who won stage two? Kyle Busch. Who won the race? Cal Bush, yeah. He led I think 134 uh of the 200 laps. Pretty much dominated that race. And and you're you're going to have that. I mean, it happens, he, yeah. But you pretty much dominated the the weekend uh with the exception he didn't win. He didn't win the Xfinity race. I, do you think that was by design? Uh, you know, it's
3: hard to say it wasn't. Um right. They didn't want his 200th victory to come in a series that wasn't Cup because it would have given the haters and the people that, oh, well, you know, he still can't match up with Petty. Uh, you know, it would have given them more ammunition. So they definitely wanted the 200th win to come in the Cup series. It's hard not to think conspiracy theory when you think that.
2: You know, and and I've heard, uh, it. it is impressive. And yeah. I've heard the other one saying, well, Steve Kinser won, you know, so many World of Outlaw races. Jack Ingram, Richie Evans, Dick Trickle. I've heard all that. That's fine. Yes, they've won more races. It is. It is impressive what Kyle Bush has done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to the point now, though. He's in, the, in. He's in the truck race, where I think uh, it's almost like NASCAR. Should say, okay, you're done in the other two series, and I we we. we We've gone over this. Why he does it It's for sponsors? Sponsors want to see him in those races because they want to have their name on his car in the Truck Series or in the Xfinity Series. I and you know, but it, it it's to the point now. It's almost a detriment. I, I you know I we joke on the show. Huh, Kyle Bush is in a truck race, which he is. There's no need to watch it. Yeah, are you taking Kyle Busch, you're taking the field. Right. And everybody takes Kyle Busch. It's to the point where it's almost like uh Formula 1 with Lewis Hamilton where instead of doing picks, we we do the other picks. You know, you can you have every anybody you want except Lewis Hamilton or if it's an of your truck race, if Kyle Busch is racing, okay, you you can't pick Kyle Busch, you got to pick somebody else. Cuz it it's just it's just like okay, he's going to win the race. So yeah, it is it is interesting um I, you know, you, you brought up that speeding penalty. This is what he said uh, after the race. Yeah, I thought that certainly crosses your mind uh, that he thought it was over. Uh, I knew we had a great race car. That's a great understatement. Uh, we had a great race car all day long. We were fast, wasn't sure how we were going to be able to come through the field, get back in traffic, get our way, work back to the lead. Uh, Brad Keselowski was really fast on that run. He was way out front. But uh, we were catching the 22, then the 4, and we went green to the end. Wasn't sure how it was going to play out. Sometimes you have to have a little bit of luck on your side. Fortunately, we were uh, in the green car today being St. Patty's Day, blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't even notice that. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> See, I, I didn't think about it either. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, a tip of the hat to Kyle Bush. I mean, he is a damn good race car driver. I would, and he's one of the guys. Uh, there's not too many. Uh, we mentioned, you know, other ones in the past, like Tony Stewart, that. Yeah, you could put him in an Indy car. I don't care what car you put him—Formula One car, Indy car—he he, he can he could drive anything. Even his brother Kurt Bush, uh, when you drove Indy a couple years ago, was quite impressive. Uh, in 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 way he was running all through the uh, all through the month of May. So yeah, these are these are two kids that are certainly talented.
3: You know Kyle Busch and to a lesser extent Kurt, obviously. You know, both former champions and all that. So the talent is there. Kyle Bush can, you know, he can make any, if he could take a 20th place car and put it into the top five. And for him, the good thing is that he never has to worry about driving a 20th place car because he's on a good team. But if he sat there and, you know, filled in for, uh, you know, for, timmy hill and drove timmy hill's car he would end up in the in the top 15 easy i think Mm -hmm. so he's got the talent is there you can't deny it uh you know it's which is why and i'm not a kyle bush fan but it's why the people that constantly trash on him because they don't like his attitude they don't like the way that he carries himself the way he picks his nose in the post uh, race (laughs) press conference (laughs) You know, he wins at Chicagoland and he's. People are booing and he's rubbing his eyes like a crying baby and stuff like that. I love it. Kyle Bush you likes to be the bad yeah. guy. Right. He likes the booze. He likes that you're against him and that you don't want him to win because he knows he's got Rowdy Nation on one side that's so extremely loyal to him. And then he's got all the haters on the other side. And he loves them both. So. You know, it's hard, it's hard for me to root against him. Uh, obviously, if he crashes, my guy, I'm pissed. But you know, I, I like Kyle Busch. He's nothing but great for NASCAR.
2: Yeah, and, and you're you're gonna have that with any dominant driver. We had that in, in with Dale Earnhardt Sr. A lot of people booed Dale Earnhardt. They don't mention that on TV, but I remember and I heard those boos. There was, you know, there was a lot of cheering. Earnhardt Nation was strong, especially the further south you went. Right. But, I mean, especially around here, there's a lot of people who didn't like him, especially when he took, took out Alan Kowicki when he could have won his first race at Pocono uh, early on in his career. So, you know, but you need that. You need, you know, Jeff Gordon, too. There was a lot of those that would love Jeff Gordon and a lot of people who didn't like him because he was the anti-Earnhardt. Right. So, and, and. You need the
3: divisive drivers, divisiveness in the fan bases. That is what creates excitement, and Mm -hmm. that is what gets the people talking. NASCAR needs a legitimate rivalry now. You had Earnhardt Gordon. You know, you had the great rivalries of the past.
2: Allison Petty and all those, yeah.
3: What's the rivalry now?
2: No, there isn't. You know, it... There's not a lot of rivalry in sports, and, 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 you know, even in basketball, everybody's buddy-buddy.
3: I know. And that's the thing that NASCAR needs to do behind the scenes. And if I was running NASCAR, the first thing I would do would be about week five. And, you know, you got to, like, uh, hopefully five different winners for uh, to choose from. But I would choose two and be like, listen, guys, you made the playoffs already. You're in good shape. I need you guys to take each other out a couple times in the next few weeks. And, uh, you know, maybe NASCAR's got to write a check to the teams to help cover, you know, some of the damage and stuff like that. But you need to have a legitimate rivalry that gets people excited again. You don't do it. And, you know, you just don't have
2: it anymore. That's a good point. Let's take a quick break. We're going to talk Martinsville next. We'll get you up to date on all the happenings at Martinsville. And they had – Uh, practice earlier today. We'll get you the results of that and more coming up in the final inspection show brought to you by David Hobbs Honda and Great Lakes Dragway. To the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure to check out Great and get your 2019 season pass. And of course, we'd like to thank David Hobbs Honda for their support of the show, too. Make sure to check out davidhobbs.com Hobbs.com for our latest and new and used vehicles. Uh we were talking during the break, Jeff and I, and uh just you know, we're you know, you're always working during the show, putting together, trying to get late news trying to just get all your notes. And it's funny, you know, there's so much, you know, we're in the information age, and there's just so much, especially if you're in the media, in any type of sports media, whether it's baseball, football, you name it, but especially being in the racing media, you're just bombarded with emails all day long. And you're trying. And I know there's ways to do it. I know Sparky, one of the things that Sparky does, is on when he sees something on Twitter, he likes it. So then he just works through his likes on Twitter for notes in it. That's his, that's his way of uh, filing of stuff filing away stuff for away. later. Yeah. So so I'm looking at. I uh, just wanted to go through the itinerary of of, of Martinsville this weekend and uh, NASCAR as a it's NASCAR. It comes up uh, my mail. NASCAR Integrated Marketing Communications. So I'm looking for that and uh, I'm oh here oh, here it is. No, it's and I try to delete the old ones and stuff I don't need to just you know just kind of filter out the stuff and as I you know it's like every Monday or so I try and delete everything from the previous week or put it in a file so I go oh here, here it is so we're going coming up on the air and I look okay here we go NASCAR national series news no it's perfect and I look down and it it's Atlanta yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a couple weeks late for that one, but, uh, you yeah, know, that's all right. That's all right. Well, you know, a happy hour just oh, ended. Okay, here's my tournament link. Okay, I've got that done. Yeah, as long as you've got your brackets handy. Spring Car Hall of Fame. Let's see here. Here's my feedback from Fontana. Oh, here we go. Martinsville. The STP 500. Yeah. So we, at least we know Bubba Wallace is going to be in a cool looking car this weekend. Absolutely. This is the the I know at Martinsville, he's always sponsored by STP because it is the STP 500. Yep. And it's good to see. Well, coming up next, we're going to have Dennis Michelson from DMIC Media. And we're going to talk about what's the one question I always ask Dennis? The Martinsville track dog. <laughs> and of course, they were talking about it this morning on. Uh, <laughs> On the NASCAR coverage, and uh, this is this is one thing that really irritates me. It, it, and they've it, it, it's kind of a go through. If you put all the X in a row, it would line up this long. Right. They did that. The you know, they they instead of saying you know that we go through seventy thousand track dogs at Martinsville weekend. Oh. Huh? Well, if you line them up together end for end, it goes around the track twelve times. Well, until you actually do that, I don't care. Right. Well, if you took all the people that hate Carl Bush, put them our, you know, fingertip to fingertip, it would be from here to the moon. Well, until we put people from here to the moon in a line, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, you know, just. I agree. I agree. It's weak as hell. You know. You know.
3: Every time they go to Martinsville, you're gonna get the. The five minute waste of time segment on the hot dogs. You're gonna get the five minute to ten minute waste of time segment on the grandfather
2: clock. Mm-hmm. The history of the grandfather clock. Who won the most grandfather clocks? Well, the domination. Then that's the name of the game at at, at Martinsville. It was, certainly was Richard Petty, and I know Richard Petty and Bobby Allison had some epic battles. And then it was Darrell Waltrip. Yeah, Darrell Waltrip was the dominant guy, and then here comes Jeff Gordon. Oh, you can't beat Jeff Gordon. Well. Jimmy Johnson put an end to that and Jimmy Johnson was just so dominant and one of the things was with with the Hendrick, which was their their forte and their strong point at when Hendrick racing motorsports was at its highest was their engineering pros their engineering pros were so good that Chevrolet was going to them for information right that's how how in intuitive they were when it came to engineering these cars and they figured out the brakes at martinsville how to do the brakes and everything and that's kind of gone away now now you know it's the fords now the ford is the, the car with the exception of kyle bush of course uh but the fords have been very very strong especially team penske and uh this weekend uh, could be a team penske weekend couldn't it jeff
3: absolutely absolutely you know martinsville is uh it's an interesting race, you know, because, A, it's so short. You spend so much time on the brake. Uh, a lot of it depends on what what line you restart in, whether it's the inside or the outside, how well you're going to do, uh, especially late in the race, you know, if the inside is the dominant line and you could have the best car. But if you're stuck on the outside, by the mm-hmm. time you get down and, and able to race these guys, you're in fifth or sixth place now. Uh, so... You know, there's a lot that goes on into winning in Martinsville. Um, you know, I saw a lot of talk about whether the bump and run is now not ex- an accepted practice at Martinsville like it once was, and uh, and all that. So, you know, it uh, just get on the track
2: and let's run and let's see what happens. Uh, I've never, I've never really been. I, I, I've, I've, you know, I, I've said in the past that it's. Uh... You know, i do not Not a fan of the bump and run, unless you're going for your first race win in whatever series. And I've said mentioned this in the past before, you know, Matt Kenseth at Rockingham, Tony Stewart, he doesn't win that race. Who knows how history has changed because that team was about to shut down. They are out of money. Right. They had to win that race, and it just propelled them and that team and eventually, you know, Robbie Reiser and, you know, we know Matt Kansas, you know, went to uh a Roush racing th- eventually and that, and it was just a a, a great team and, 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 you know, winning championships and whatnot. So I you know, understand that. And I've criticized Ted Musgrave when he was coming up on Dale Jarrett at Darlington, the, he, and he could have, you know, just did a bump and run there just a little bit, just got him a little squirrely to win the race. And he didn't, he actually lifted off in the gas. They were, in the car, and I I was screaming at the TV. And then he's like, Well, I don't want to win races that way. Well, sorry, Ted, you're not going to win races. Well, then suddenly, when he got into the truck series and the cup, his cup career died, dried up, he certainly was a lot more aggressive. Yeah, yeah, y- he learned and quick. In fact, he got parked I think, at Milwaukee because of that. So, I mean, it, it's interesting how that comes around, but I wish you know, and that was. You know that was how they drove though those guys from the ASA period. You know it was a different, uh, you know, there. And we've talked, I've talked to this with John Close and some other guys who've gone down south, and you you could definitely see the 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 difference between the drivers that came uh, who were brought up in the in the Midwest. Your know, Mark Martins, Rusty Wallace's, Alan Kowicki, you name it, Ted Musgrave, and those guys who came up through the ASA side. And a lot of those guys, and most of those guys, worked on their own cars. Right. Whereas in the South, it was a little different, and it was usually, those guys were just the drivers. And they drove a lot rougher. They tore up a lot more equipment because, you know what, they weren't going to work on it. Mm-hmm. So if you tore up a car at Kakana, you know what you were doing uh, you know that Monday or Tuesday, you're fixing it. Yeah, back in so the shop, 6 a.m. Monday guys morning. The really learned two things it did. It taught guys how to, to, well, actually, you know, obviously work on cars and work on setup. Those guys were, and they were, when they came down south, and when the mechanic stuck his uh, head in the, in the window, those guys knew what, what needed to be done in that car. Mm-hmm. So.
3: Well, I, you know, and that is part of what's missing out of today's drivers. Uh, you know, that and the fact that, you know, back in, the, in those days as well, these guys they weren't racing for riches, you know, they were racing to live. Yeah. You know, these guys are racing for money to put food on the table and to pay their mortgage. And now everybody, you know, it's going down obviously in, in the last few years, but these guys are making so much money mm-hmm. that no one's hurting anymore. And so, the desire, I don't think, is there like it was in the past. And, you know, the the fire in the stomach and the will to win, you know, everybody wants to win, but they don't
2: have to win. A lot of those guys, you know, when, when NASCAR before the modern, and I'm making air quotes right now, the, the, the modern era in 1972 when they were racing to dirt tracks and that, a lot of those guys would race your JD McDuffie's, Bill Champion. Henley Gray, all these guys, those independents, had to race a lot of those tracks on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday at the dirt tracks to make ends meet,
3: because mm-hmm.
2: they were racing for money to put foot, you know, to put food on the table. Yeah, yeah, I know. They had to do
3: that to survive. And now these guys have private planes, so they can get from track to home to sponsor uh, appearances right away. You know, it's the struggle isn't there, and it's good. It's a good thing that these guys aren't struggling to survive anymore. I think we can all agree on that,
2: but it does cost you when it comes to desire and will to win. We will expand that and more when we talk about Martinsville Speedway, NASCAR weekend, and we'll talk to Dennis Michelson from D Mike media coming up next on the final inspection show. <laughs> This is
1: Final Inspection with Steve Zocchi. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan.
2: And welcome back to the Final Inspection show. Brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Along with David Hobbs Honda. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline in a secret location near the Illinois-Indiana border, lighting cigars with $20 bills, it is Dennis Michelson. How are you doing, sir?
0: Hey, Z-Man. Yeah, I'm actually in the Witness Protection Program, so this is, uh, you know, my best alias, but I yeah.
2: Very good. Uh, this weekend, we NASCAR returns to its roots. We're in Martinsville, Virginia for the STP 500, and of course, Martinsville. Dates back many, many, many years. The paperclip, short track racing at its best. And your favorite food, the track dog. Tell us. We go through this every year. Tell us about the track dog.
0: Now, see, I like my dog slightly different than, you know, the usual. Because when you order your Martinsville hot dog, it comes with everything. I mean, it comes with chili. It comes with onions. It comes with mustard. And it comes with coleslaw. I'm not a big fan of the slaw. So I do not get my Martinsville dog all the way. I get it without slaw. And that's just me. You know, you may want to go all the way with your hot dog. I don't. I prefer the, uh, just no slaw on my dog. But they are a mess to eat. They're fantastic. They're still only two bucks. So, for five bucks, you can get yourself two dogs and a soda pop. So I always get a little Mountain Dew action going. And uh, I usually start my day because the great thing about when you're covering a race at Martinsville is the infield has a hot dog stand, too. So, uh, you'll have a big lineup as early as eight in the morning, right after gates open that people will be there, and most of the teams actually have a guy that his only job for the weekend is to stand in <laughs> line at the hot dog stand. I, I kid you not. He'll, he'll literally be ordering, like, 50 dogs, and uh, it, it's quite funny, and some of the teams will even keep, like, a little scorecard up on the side of their uh, their pit cards. Um, so it's, it's quite comical. At least that's the way it was back in the day. All these, like, new fitness-crazed uh, people in nascar they don't probably eat as many hot dogs but my personal record in one day i'm a wimp it was only 10
2: 10
0: oh yeah that's impressive
2: i'm impressed
0: yeah yeah 10 hot dogs that was my all-time record um and you know breakfast lunch and uh you know a late afternoon snack so uh i managed to, to to gobble down about two uh you know, every time I walked past the stand, I'd get myself a fresh couple of couple of dogs and enjoy the race, uh, covering the race while I was uh, eating nonstop. But yeah, that was my my all time record. Um, that that was on a Friday. Uh, I, you know, it was out a practice day. You know, got got to get serious for the races on Saturday and Sunday. So. You know, couldn't do much more than about five or six on on race days.
2: Well, then I guess the obvious next question is also: How are the restroom facilities?
0: Um, very clean, uh, very orderly, and lots of them. So they're they come well prepared there at Martinsville Speedway.
2: You know, it's interesting. You know, with the with the two dollar track dog in Martinsville, you know, Atlanta opened up that new stadium for the Falcons, and they went the that kind of in that direction where hey, let's stop gouging the sports fan and make actually, you know, normal, kind of normal, modern day, uh, not modern, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, not outrageously priced concessions, and maybe we'll actually sell more at still at a decent profit margin. Could that maybe actually be a a trend in the future?
0: God, I hope so. And at Martinsville, it's even cooler because what they do out the track is really nice. They, uh, uh, the the stands, all of the stands throughout the track that are selling out dogs all weekend, are manned by volunteers from different charities, mm-hmm. different you know youth groups and whatever. So a lot of the profits that are made and all of the tip money that is given out um, during the weekend uh, all goes to these wonderful local organizations. So you know, like the all the. The, the band from the local high school and that, that's a huge fundraiser for them twice a year, uh, manning those uh, those concession stands. And, you know, they do a fabulous job because, as you might imagine, with that much demand for hot dogs, uh, it gets very, very busy with great customer service. But, yeah, it's, tracks need to think about this. Your local short track uh, it was over at the Michigan uh, Speedway Promoters Association meeting uh, last week. Um, and, and really that was a, a focus was how can we do things that are still making us money, but showing a value to especially bring in the new fan, the first time fan. And one of the best things you could do is have good concession prices because people will be spending money and eating at your track, but give good food and give them a good price. And you're probably going to, going to have those people coming back more often than, If you charge them six bucks for a really bad hot
3: dog. Well, and that was the thing is that Atlanta did it and uh, they ended up making more profit by slashing the prices and having more human prices on their food and drinks, including beer, than they did when they charge charge the outrageous amount. So, you know, you lower the prices, more people eat there. You get you know a lot more uh, traffic and everything like that. You're going through food a lot more, and they ended up making more money.
2: Well, it's also it's also a point of note when you when you hey I went to you know track X. Guess what? Their burgers are only two bucks. You're going to tell that to people, Absolutely. and you're going to spread the word, aren't you, Dennis?
0: What what do we always brag about with uh, with uh, Road America up in Elkhart Lake? We we brag about not only the greatness of the food, but it is affordable. Like you can get a a, a a double brat or, you know, double Italian sausage special up there for like five bucks, six bucks. You can get, uh, you know, one of those breakfast sandwiches up there and turn, what is it, five? Um, that is just fantastic as well, and it doesn't break the bank. You treat your customers well and take good care of them, you are going to make more money. You might not make more money off of that one customer that came through, but they're going to keep coming back. And, you know, you treat your customers right. They're going to show up in huge numbers. And, you know, I I think we're going to get to see that play out this year because I have a feeling that the folks are going to be holding that old uh, race at Milwaukee Mile on Father's Day weekend. I think they're going to understand that. I've seen their ticket prices. They're very reasonable for an event of, of the type that they're doing. And I'm sure that they're going to co- come through with great customer service as well. I mean, those guys at, at Trek Enterprises, Bob Sargent and the guys, they always do a good job.
2: Yeah, it certainly is. And, uh, we of course, Great Lakes Dragway, too, has great food uh, uh, there, too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's, it's it's a win-win. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll see that more. Um Let's go back to Martinsville here. I guess the question this weekend is: This going to be a Ford race or a Toyota race?
0: It is seeming to be that way, isn't it? Um, You know, this is an interesting case. You got all the horsepower, so you don't have any worries about that, and you got that big old spoiler. But you know, it's a short track. You're going to allow some beating and banging, and you know, guys doing things, and you know. I kind of wonder, here's here's the thing. If we do not see a good performance out of Jimmy Johnson this weekend, we know that he's pretty much lost his ability to be competitive in today's NASCAR. That's this is a big test for this weekend for all the Chevy teams, but especially for Jimmy Johnson, because remember, he used to own this place. He had like five wins mm-hmm. in the six, six uh, race period. Um, he was just the dominant guy here years ago. He has cooled off a lot lot here, but, um, you know, again, it's going to come down to uh, track position. And, you know, the one thing I will say with the current NASCAR rule package when it comes to these short tracks, the cars are way too sensitive. I mean, Z-Man, you remember it years ago, uh, before we went to all this common template stuff, guys would open up the the wheel wells.
4: Big time
0: when you went to a short track. So you didn't have to worry about having having things folded in. You can't do this with this common template package. that's the same every week, regardless of the track. I'd really like to see NASCAR get back to letting these guys open up those wheel wells on the short tracks. Maybe we wouldn't see guys so allergic to touch.
2: Yeah, it was. I remember uh, ESPN when they would do those little, Track track note things you know they'd have a uh, Dr Jerry Punch or somebody in pit road showing the difference between the wheel wells uh, whether you know at Daytona of course Talladega and Atlanta Michigan they were real tight and then the intermediate tracks they'd open up just a little bit more and then at your uh, Martinsville or or uh, um, uh, Richmond and that you would open them up a heck of a lot more or North Wilkesboro too. And and yeah, so they, you know, you you could lean on cars in the corner and it wouldn't ruin your day uh, if you, if you, if you got a little over, over, you know, rough with them, you know, that you could continue on and, and that's what made, you know, where a guy could lose a, actually lose a fender and and not cut down a tire. Good day.
0: Yeah. And that was the whole key is guys were racing closer to each other and they weren't afraid to, to bump and grind a little bit now you make the least little bit of contact and you're going to be in big big trouble because if you lose a tire during the green flag stop and have to stop at Martinsville you're going to lose two to three laps on on pit lane and you're never going to be able to get those back so that's really changed sort of the the way that they race and if you look at the trucks that are uh, being pushed out on the grid now at Martinsville for today's race they're not Quite as tight on the wheel wells as Cup cars are, but they're still way tighter than they used to be for the truck series. Truck series, you used to be able to see the top of the tire back in the day, even when they were at the slightly bigger tracks. But you know, when they're on the short tracks, which is where they belong and where they should be racing all the time, um, we used to be able to see the tops of the wheels um, in your in your trucks. But uh, you know, NASCAR has been really doing a great job. Right after we saw things happen, you know, the last couple of weeks where they weren't the greatest story in the world as far as, you know, uh, being a customer-friendly type of performance, we saw NASCAR brass out pretty uh, front and center. And and I'm hearing kind of some good things that they're going to change the package significantly to this next-generation car that they're going to be doing and rolling out here soon, you know, next year or two. So I think we're going to get back to, uh, to cars that are hopefully a little more stock.
3: Yeah, I hope so. Uh, in happy hour today, Clint Boyer, he, uh, he posted the 12th fastest speed. He led morning practice. Truex, who's uh, well-documented, never won on a short track. He was 11th but uh Chase uh Chase Elliott he you know he paced Happy Hour, Bowman, Jimmy Johnson, Austin Dillon, Paul Menard, Ty Dillon, um Daniel Hemrick. So there's a lot of Chevys uh towards the top. What what do you think? You you know, do you think that Chevy has a chance finally to crack Victory Lane here? Yeah,
0: I, I think they do. I you know, here's the thing is while they haven't got to Victory Lane, if you look at the statistical breakdown you look at, um, you know, some of the loop statistic data is actually quite fascinating that NASCAR publishes. If you look at the average running position, some of the Chevys have been running real good. Kyle Larson's running good. Kurt Bush is running good. And we've seen, you know, flashes out of uh, Chase Elliott. We've seen Daniel Hemrick up there running good this year. Um, they just haven't gotten the finishes Sometimes you have to look down and through the the data a little bit to see if there is a bias for a particular brand or not. I don't think there's any bias. I think all three of of the makes in NASCAR have a pretty equal package. I just think right now that, uh, you know, Penske is, is strong, Stuart Haas is strong, Joe Gibbs Racing is strong, and I think that's skewing the results to all of the non-Sherry brands and you look at Hendrick Motorsport over the last couple of years, they are just a shadow of what they used to be um and it's It's just kind of scary to see how fast they have fallen um when they put some of the you know the younger guys in those seats so um it's gonna be interesting to see what happens but here at Martinsville, you know there really isn't going to be an advantage to any of the brands. it's gonna be who has the best uh you know package the best luck the best track position when it comes to, to timing and scoring of, of practice at Martinsville I never paid too much attention to the one lap speeds because tires used to fall off really quite a bit here I always looked at um, the average over 10 laps and whoever had the best average over 10 laps that's the guy in happy hour that had the best day
2: talking with Dennis Michelson and the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Well, it's that time of the show, Dennis. We're going to need your predictions this week uh, for Martinsville.
0: Well, I'm not going to get fancy, even though I've said good things about uh, Jimmy Johnson. He was my long shot pick over on my FrontStretch.com article uh, this week. I am going with the chalk. I am picking the hottest hand in NASCAR right now. It's win number 201 oh. for
2: Mr. Kyle Busch. Interesting stuff. It's been noted. It's been put into the record book. And uh, we will see what happens tomorrow for the STP 500. Dennis, once again, thank you for joining the show. And what's the latest at DMac Media?
0: Oh, we're having so much fun. It should be illegal. Got some great interviews coming up with some young racers next week. Uh, Will Holtz, who I think is one of the hottest, well, I think he's going to be one of the guys that you're going to see racing uh, in open wheel, maybe IndyCar someday. Uh, he's a young racer out of Deerfield, Illinois. We'll be featuring an interview with him. And uh, we we'll also got some big news coming in the next week or two uh, over at uh, D-Mike Media. Some of our uh, our podcasts that we do are going to find an additional home. And we're pretty excited about that. We'll be ready to release it
2: next week. All right. Very good. Looking forward to that. And looking forward to chatting next week, sir. Appreciate it. Dennis Michelson, we appreciate him coming on the show every week. Make sure to check out his stuff at DMIC Media. And when we return, we'll be switching over to IndyCars uh, next coming up on the Final Inspection Show. <laughs>
1: Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the final inspection show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Sockey.
2: To the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure to check out GreatLakesDragway.com and get your 2019 season pass as the weather warms up. So will the action at Great Lakes Dragway. I also like to thank David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out DavidHobbs.com for all the latest and new and used car. Yes, they have a wide variety of used vehicles available at DavidHobbs.com. Make sure you check that out. Jeff Orlowski. Jeff Orlowski. you know it's Orlowski. I know I'm I'm a Polish Milwaukee guy. I say Orlowski. I don't care. I've been called a lot worse. Zotki, you know, Zotki, Zot, you know, you name it. You know, it's part you know, when you have a an and you came as awesome,
3: as <laughs> awesome as we do, it's bound to get butchered by some of the peasants, the the, the, the minions, the peons, but uh but yeah, we're both see, confident in our last
2: names and the power that stands within. If this was 1960s radio, you would be uh, Jeff Olive. Oh yeah. Or Jeff, uh, let's see, what's a good radio name? And We would talk like this. You know, I'd be like S- Steve Smith or Steve.
3: Some, you know, I had a lot of people. You know, what's your radio name going to be? Right. Jeff Orlowski, damn right. it. I know it. Yeah. You know, if I had two or three different names, that, you know, anytime anybody was calling anybody's name down the street, I'd have to turn around and look.
2: Right. They don't do that too much anymore. No. Well. Some people do. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> but we digress. Yes. So switching over to indie cars. Indy. We have the Circuit of the Americas. Beautiful beautiful state-of-the-art track in Austin and uh, IndyCars is there looking forward to that should be a pretty pretty cool show
3: yeah it should you know I'm looking forward to it too I think uh I think they're gonna put on a hell of a show I think that they're gonna give f1 a run for the money as far as action and speed and excitement uh you know I'm sure they're gonna have a great crowd down there and uh like I said, if I had to choose between Martinsville, even with the the hot dogs this weekend, or being down in Austin, I'd be down in Austin. So it's only uh,
2: two races, one of two that are being held in Texas. Of course, the other one at uh, Texas Motor Speedway. I wanted to say Texas World Speedway, but that was in uh, where Texas A and M is. Um, oh, uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, uh, bu- 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 brain fart Lubbock. Now, that's Texas Tech. a and uh, I'll think of it in a second. Right. It's It's near Briar, Brian. Um, and uh, it's uh, interesting to note that there's a lot of politicking that went around. In College Station. College Station, yes. And uh, now, that that's interesting. This is where we swerve off the road here. We're going through the field right now. Yeah, College Station. Was a track that was it was a sister track to Michigan International Speedway, and in the late late sixties, everybody was building a racetrack. We also went through this in the late nineties. They were called paper tracks. So you'd get your Speed Sport News, you get out page five, you know, you'd take a look. Oh, news new race track proposed for you name it. I mean, there is one proposed. Let's see. I remember there was a super speedway being proposed in Rhode. Island, which might have actually became uh, Dover, uh, but anyways, there's a there was this corporate They put together this corporation. I believe the guy's name was Larry Lopatin, if I recall right, and um, they they built Michigan International Speedway, which is obviously still there now, two miles uh, two miles Super Speedway, and then they built the one in College Station, which is still there, but it's Falling apart. It hasn't really been a – it hasn't held a national race in 20-some years. But there was that one in College Station, which A.J. Foyt would always win. It was his favorite track. It was was the closest track to Houston at the time. And I want to say they had another one they were going to propose down south somewhere. might have been Louisiana. I don't remember. It was – it might have even been out west. I don't know. But that one was never built because this guy was one that he's kind of a huckster. <laughs> and uh, he promised, you know, he's one of these guys he brought in investors. And, you know, as, you know, we've heard stories, and it still happens today. me. Uh, you invest this money, you're going to get return of times 50, and you're, you know, this, that, promised the world. And it didn't work out, and then he was into some other stuff, and I don't know if it was a pyramid scheme. I think he actually ended up in jail for a while. And then you, you know, I think I think he died a f- quite a few years ago. But yeah, but yeah, Texas World Station or T- College World Station, Texas World Speedway and College Station. That's what I'm trying to say. Was uh, they had a lot of memorable races there. NASCAR uh, was there. Had uh, quite a few races. And then uh, they also held uh, twin 200 races. And it's interesting that Roger Penske is proposing those again uh, with NASCAR. He's saying, you know, some of these tracks, we should have twin 200-mile races. That would be interesting. Because all was in the past was like, you know, IndyCar was like, oh, we don't want NASCAR here. We're too big for them. Well, then NASCAR was, you know, building up and they were like the number two sport in the country they're like oh no no we don't want IndyCar here now it's like oh they're kind of you know creeping up on each other and and auto racing in general is kind of slipping and you know they need friends you need all the friends you can get in auto racing now Penske's saying hey we should do this my theory is Roger Penske thinks it's a good idea I think it's a good idea So,
3: yeah, if you're uh, if you're in the same camp with Roger Penske, usually you are going to be on the right side of history. Uh, You know, his uh, illustrious racing career will tell you that he's made a hell of a lot more correct decisions than wrong decisions. So, yeah, if uh, if he thinks that it would be good for the sport and could work and be successful and profitable for everybody involved, I would tend to
2: agree with Roger. Uh, Bruce Martin, longtime writer, very good writer doing some stuff with NBC Sports, wrote uh, kind of did an article on NBCSports.com, their motorsports uh, section on Texas racing that's really good. He talks about, of course, you know, when you think of Texas and auto racing, A.J. Foyt. And uh, A.J. Foyt, of course, uh, grew up in Houston, and along with his daddy, as he called him, Tony Foyt, uh, started way back when. Uh, and then they also talk about the other probably the number two guy at this point would probably be Johnny Rutherford who was actually born in, I think it was Coffeyville, Kansas, but Johnny Rutherford from Fort Worth, Texas, but actually has some pretty good racing history. I mean, there are a lot of guys from Texas on, uh, whether it was NASCAR or IndyCar. And, uh, you talk about the Labonte's on the NASCAR side, Terry Labonte and Bobby Labonte, uh, was from Texas, but then, uh, the IndyCar side too, you talk about Lloyd Ruby, uh, Very, very famous driver in the 60s and 70s. Jim McAree, who unfortunately just passed away a couple years ago, drove in the 60s and 70s, won the first Ontario 500 IndyCar race, drove in a bunch of Indy 500s back in the day, finished second one year in points, I believe, in 1966. Finished second in points. Very, very underrated driver, very highly respected driver. On the circuit. So Texas has a lot of uh, rich uh, racing history. And uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, this weekend. Oh, Jim Hall, too. Uh, Jim Hall from Midland, Texas. And uh, he, of course, is Chaparral fame. So the Chaparral, which was very famous in sports car racing, eventually, and then also Can-Am racing. Uh, the famous Chaparral is the white, simple white cars, refrigerator white cars with uh, usually number 66 or 65 on them. And uh, switched over to IndyCar racing. And in 1978, their first year together with a Lola T500, Jim Hall and Al Unzer won the uh, IndyCar Triple Crown. Uh, Not only did they win the Indianapolis 500, but they also won uh, the Pocono 500 and the uh, uh, Ontario 500. So winning all three 500 races and didn't do a hell of a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that's... Pretty impressive, and then of course, uh, the John Bernard <clears throat> designed uh, Chaparral 2K, which uh, Unser drove the following year, and then Rutherford drove to a championship in Indianapolis 500 to win 1980. So a lot of lot of history uh, from Texas.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, hopefully with uh, this being Indy's first run at COTA, you know, it seems like the infrastructure is there for long-term support for the track that this isn't going to just be a one to three year, Mm -hmm. you know, run and, eh, you know, we'll cancel it or something like that. It seems like it's going to be there for a long time. And, you know, obviously a lot of it depends on fan involvement and interaction and uh, attendance and all that. And that all seems to be there. So hopefully this is uh, the first of many at uh, the circuit of the
2: America's. I thought this was interesting. Guess who's giving the driver's "start your engines command? He's a current NFL quarterback. Uh, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> no. Colt McCoy, who at this point could be your starting Washington Redskins quarterback.
3: Wow. Yeah. Well, he's got the right name to be, uh, you know, having the command uh, down in Texas, but... Uh... I, I didn't realize he was still in the league.
2: Uh, he is a uh, uh, te- well, t- Texas Longhorn.
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah,
2: so, yeah. yeah. He I he mean, had a good career. Down oh, he there. did, and and uh, great name. Absolutely, it's one of the best Texas Longhorn quarterback Colt McCoy. I mean, that's that's it just fits. Oh, definitely peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> you know, let's take a quick break. We'll talk more IndyCar, and then uh. After the bottom of the hour, we'll be talking with Eddie Lapine. We'll get some feedback and uh, post-race reaction on the 12 hours of Sebring with Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and a David Hobbs Honda. So we got some breaking news from Austin.
3: Well, uh, Alexander Rossi, uh, he paced the uh, third full practice session uh, for the race. And uh, rookie Marcus Erickson, he struck the uh, tire barrier exiting turn
2: 19. How did uh, How did Colton Herta do? You, I know he was fast early on. The uh, Colton Herda was 12th. Mm, how about uh, my boy Felix Rosenquist? Number two. Oh, that's my boy. Two, That's my boy. Yeah, ran
3: 13 laps and uh, second on the speed chart. Graham Ray Hall third, Ryan Hunter Ray, Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, Will Power. Those are your top seven. And next
2: week, if you're down in the Indianapolis area, especially Brownsburg, Graham Rahal performance is having a coffee and cars show. Nice. So that's in Brownsburg. He's got a little performance, uh, they like customized shop kind of like in its industrial park in, uh, Brownsburg that's run by, uh, his, his brother. And what's cool is my other buddy has a sh- shop restoration shop, uh, kind of next door. So sweet. They're going to have their doors open too. So, Graham Hill Performance and uh, and Turn 4 Restorations. If you're in the Indianapolis area, check it out and uh, you will uh, be a pretty, it sh- should be a pretty cool show. Yeah, that sounds awesome. We'll have a little coffee and look at cars. Irish huh,
3: coffee and look at cars, absolutely.
2: <laughs> absolutely. So we oh uh Oh, one thing we didn't talk, this is kind of, I guess you could kind of say this is IndyCar, sports cars, whatever, different. Um, A.J. Allmendinger, retired, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's done. Uh, not really, no. Oh, no. But no, uh, he's st- still a you know, young guy. He's young enough, and he's going to be running with a uh, colleague racing in the Xfinity Series. So, And I would expect, uh, they said multiple races. I would expect one of those races to be Road America. I don't have no official. That's just Steve just saying, I think. If I'm a betting man, I think he would be at road America.
3: Well, he's a uh, road course specialist, quote unquote. So uh, I would imagine that you would be right. And uh, it's fantastic. I think it'll bring, you know, bring some people out that maybe wouldn't Mm -hmm. have come normally. And uh, that's the number 10 car. If you're keeping track at home, you know, it'll it'll help. It'll help. So I, you know, AJ's easy guy to root for. Yeah. And, uh. You know, he seems like a, a down-to-earth, regular guy, seems like a nice guy. Uh, so, you know, he obviously didn't have the success in the Cup Series that uh, that everybody kind of predicted for him. Um, but, you know, he did win, and uh, good for him.
2: Uh, Paddle Award is also in this race, running uh, a second car for Cardling Racing. And looking forward to that, too, the use of uh... – the Mexican driver is uh, is quick, and with he was originally supposed to uh, team up with uh, Colton Herder this year uh, on the Harding Steinbrenner Racing, but uh, there's some funding issues, and they weren't able to put that uh, together, and they released him, or he asked for his release from his contract, and they thankfully they gave it to him, and he's he's been able to put together a package with Carlin Racing, so you got Charlie Kimball. Will be in I think five or six races, and then a uh, Pato Award will be in the other uh, other races. And uh, quick driver, exciting driver. So there's another reason to watch uh, the uh, what is what are they calling this thing? The IndyCar Classic at the Circuit of the Americas.
3: Yeah, uh, you know Pato Award 14th on the speed chart. So you know not uh, not phenomenal, but uh, but not a uh, a bad effort either.
2: No, for a kid who's uh, didn't do a lot of a lot of testing over the winter and that, and he's still learning, uh, you know, he's he's gonna he's been uh, he's, a, he's he's a quick driver. He adapts quick. I thought this was interesting. Uh, you know, we, they had the opening race in Saint Petersburg, and Ed Jones had an incident where he hit the wall, and he actually broke his uh, finger. Which is uh, easy to do, because when those cars hit the wall, if you ever see the in-car, that steering wheel whips around. Yeah, it does. And he broke uh, he broke a finger, and that's... Have you ever broken a finger? I have not. I've never broken a bone. Uh, the, I've only broken two... Th- uh, thankfully, I've only broken a finger and a toe. Okay. And the finger was my... Uh, it's that middle finger that you can use when you're driving. The one you always show me all the time, yes. 15 times a day, and it was uh, we were playing catch. I was playing catch with uh, my Serbian friend, and uh, he he had a pretty decent arm, and he threw one, and I went to catch it, and it it was the old right straight on it. Oh yeah, and it and uh, it were it swelled up and everything. It was real ugly. and this was back when. Yeah, you could go to your family doctor and, you know, it's health insurance paid for everything. You know, so, oh, you better check that. You know, my mom's like, you better get that checked out. I was like 15 or so. I went to the doctor. He goes, oh, yeah, why don't you go downstairs and get x-rays? And, yeah, it was a broken finger. So he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you broke it. Okay, now what? Now you put one of those splints on it for a week and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you know. Yeah, I just he- thought it was funny that they made this – You know, I got this big email medical update on NTT IndyCar driver, series driver Ed Jones. I'm thinking, whoa, what the heck happened here? You know, like what? So I'm thinking like something, you know, after the race, maybe he got involved in an accident, he fell down the steps at home or something. No, it says here, "Uh, Jones sustained a small non-displaced fracture of the distal fourth metacarpal in his left ring finger when his number 20 Ed Carpenter racing... uh, Chevrolet made contact with the wall during the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg on March 10th. Jones met with a hand surgeon in Miami in the day's following race and had the hand properly splinted.
3: Properly splinted? As
2: opposed to improperly splinted. Well, I'm glad it was proper. Because improperly, you just take, what, you you do the uh, cardboard, right? You take a piece of cardboard, you cut it with the scissors, and take duct tape
3: to it, Yeah, yeah. Well, can't you get, uh, I think nowadays you can get sued for improperly uh, splinter, splinting someone. <laughs> you certainly can. <laughs> with
2: the whole PC thing going on. Hey, did you know this weekend, there were, the silver USAC Silver Crown cars are racing too at Memphis. Nice. And uh, so looking for, and I, so I'm like, I, I always have a joke with some buddies of mine who live down in oh yeah well, we might be going to the race you know it's a lot easier for them to go to races uh because you're south of chicago you know they for it is for me and they're like i'm always like so the running joke is i say don't go it's going to get snowed out and seriously about half the time i'd be right <laughs> but actually i checked the weather for memphis uh, today and it, it, it's supposed to be, I think 63. So that ain't too bad for end of March. Nope. Not Memphis, at all. Tennessee. And then you go down north Beale street, right? Oh yeah. Now, Absolutely. It's supposed to be a fun town.
3: It is. I, I was only there for a few hours, uh, on a way, just a quick stop on the way back from Nashville. And, uh, you know, we just sat there, went to Beale street for a few hours and then continued on home. But, uh, but yeah, it was fun. Another city, awesome food. Uh, you know, I wish I would have, I wish I would have spent a few, like a couple days
2: in Memphis to get more of a feel of it. There's a, there's a few towns like that. Well, and and obviously Nashville too, which isn't as close as people think. It's, 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 it's a bit of a drive between the two. Nine hours. Well, nine hours from here. Right. But I mean, between Memphis and and Nashville, right? The other ends of the the state. But uh, yeah, those are definitely two cities where. You could almost spend a week there, and I'm not talking about tourist trap stuff. I'm talking about the real kind of, you know, real neat stuff to do where you got to kind of dig deep if if you like going to those kind of quirky places. There's a lot of those in those in those towns.
3: Yeah, it was funny. When we went to Nashville for the first time, uh, my wife, oh, yeah, you know, I forgot something. I Let's go to the mall. So we're at the mall, and, you know, I'm – following her walking in circles. And so I asked one of the ladies working there, it's like, Hey, you know, it's my first time in Nashville. What's, you know, what's a good restaurant that's, you know, off the grid. That's like, you know, real Nashville food. And she looked me dead in the eye and goes, have you ever been to famous Dave's barbecue? I was like, we've got that in Chicago. We've got that in Wisconsin. This is what you came up with. Yeah. You know, so that was like well we got to get the hell out of the mall so I can ask someone who knows something.
2: I went we Susan and I went down to Orlando uh for I guess vacation and we were like well we should need to go out somewhere. And I'm one of these people. I don't want to go where the tourists go. Right. I want to go kind of where, you know, I had a buddy of mine racing who was a genius at this stuff. He I remember he was telling me a story he went to Kansas City and he went to the more urban side of town, let's say, mm-hmm. and he found a, a, a barbecue place that was just, he showed me some photos. It was fantastic. Oh, I bet. I mean, it was, he said it was the best barbecue. You can't, that style of barbecue. I think they do more uh, more with the rubs and everything. Right. And it was the ribs and that, it was just fantastic. You know. And he was just, he would find these little hole in the wall places where the Food was just so good, and it's that's the kind of stuff where you really, you know, where, where you want to go. Um, I'm losing my train of thought here because uh, I was circling back to uh, Tom Blattler. A lot of people know a PR guy, worked with him, uh, did a race with him at the Milwaukee Mile a few years ago, and one of the great PR guys worked at Miller for many, many years. I'm going to show you a photo here. He sent me a uh, thing about, and it, it's funny how things change and evolve. This is a photo he sent me. This is Victory Lane. Oh, yeah. From, from about 20 years ago. Yes, maybe please. Maybe 25 years ago. And it's with Trophy Girls. And, it, it, you know, it's funny. There was some when, when Monster took over for NASCAR. There was some criticism of the Monster Girls in Victory Lane and what they wore. And I'm showing you a photo now. I'm not even comfortable putting this on Facebook, on our our Facebook page. Yeah, it's got
3: three uh, gorgeous ladies wearing dental floss bikinis. Uh, The photo is delicious.
2: Absolutely. It is like, oh, my gosh. If I'm a trophy girl, I'm like, you want me to wear this out in public? Hey, bring those days back. I mean, it is just, of course, they got the heels that are just super Oh, it's funny. Hey, I want to circle back to uh, NASCAR, of course, this weekend in Martinsville, defending champion Clint Boyer. Uh Uh-huh. Who, I mean, he could, if things fall his way, I wouldn't be that shocked if he won again. No, me neither. You know, with the the Fords and that, in the Xfinity series, it's John Hunter and who won. I would be surprised if he won. Where, where Where is he in his career right now? I mean, things were looking good two years ago. I mean, I liked the kid. I liked the Nemachek family. I used to go around with Tim Allen about that. Tim Allen couldn't stand Joe Nemachek for some reason. Why is he still running? Why? And I tried to explain it to him. I'm like, you know, Joe Nemachek, dedicated. They've been in the sport all their lives. He lost his brother at Homestead in a truck race 20-some years ago. You know, just... Sacrificed a lot. Uh, They were up here for a late model race. I want to say about six, seven years ago. I was able to spend some time with him and John Hunter, who at the time was like fifteen. It looked like he was twelve. Just great guys. And that that race up in Canada, that road race where he just drove like an absolute idiot, got his ass kicked as he should have been, as he should have. It just seems from that point. It's just it hasn't been working out, has it? No, no, it
3: hasn't. There, uh, there's a lot of potential and it's just not it
2: doesn't seem to be getting realized. Now granted, this is an awful time to be a young racer in auto racing. Of course it is. I mean, it is really, really, really tough and he did some stuff with Chip Ganassi racing last year. He had some sponsorship help, was able to kind of showcase his skills, but it is tough right now to get a ride in racing, much less NASCAR, which was actually the last bastion where a kid with uh, talent could get a ride. You know, uh, I remember talking to a driver who at the time, you know, he was in USAC and they were picking up guys left and right to drive in the truck series and and at at that, you know, the the old Xfinity Bush series at that time. And I mean, these guys are getting tryouts all the time. How much it cost you? Nothing. We want to see what you can do in a race car. Right. You know, this is before the drive. And I'm not talking about the driver development plans. These are these were cars. These were middling, you know, in middle of the road, maybe towards the back. But it was a way to kind of see what you could do in a stock car mm-hmm. or a truck. You know, and now those days are pretty much gone. Yeah, you have to bring your own money.
3: And you have to bring your own sponsorship. And if you don't have that, do not apply. Mm-hmm. And it's sad, and we, you know, we've talked about this, yeah. and you know, it, it, it's sad for the sport. You feel bad for these kids that, you know, uh, like Moffitt, You know, he sets, he yeah. wins the, the he wins the series title, and he loses his job mm-hmm. because they don't have any sponsorship. You know, those are things that should not happen at this level of NASCAR and racing in general. And it happens all the time. And it seems like it's getting
2: more and more common. Certainly is. Speaking of somebody uncommon, let's go talk to Eddie Lapine coming up next from RacingNation.com. You're listening to The Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. the Final spe- inspection show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. Uh, I saw some great video just now <laughs> that's posted on Twitter. Uh, you know, we we're talking about uh, Marcus Erickson and his incident. So, he goes off the you, you they're coming around on a uh, left hander and he comes out wide, gets into the Kirby, and goes across the, goes <laughs> across the sand trap into the tire barrier. Hits the tire barrier and, like, on cue, you see there's a portal out there. Oh, no. Safety crew guy was in there. You see him <laughs> coming out.
3: That's awesome. Zip
2: it up, running to the safety car. It's like,
3: That's awesome.
2: Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's every safety worker's worst fear. It's like, all right, uh, things are slowing down. Let's just give me two minutes here.
3: Yeah, I'll be in good shape. Let me, uh, I just need a minute and a half and uh, and we'll be all set. I mean, odd
2: cue, it's just perfect. So, I did retweet it if you just go to Steve Zotke on Twitter. Uh, that's awesome, Matt Archuleta for tweeting that originally. So, good stuff. Hey, joining us on the great Midwest Bank hotline, it is Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com, and we've been talking some IndyCar. Uh, Eddie, and uh, Circuit of the Americas this weekend for the IndyCar Classic. And you've been to uh, Circuit of the Americas a couple times. What do you think uh, how the the IndyCars are going to do there and the crowds and everything this weekend?
5: Um, I think it should be pretty exciting, them
2: being there for the first
5: time. I think F1 has a great following there. And I think the IndyCars, the city's going to embrace it. I think it should be a pretty good turnout. I mean, some of those guys have raced there before, so it should be really exciting. And I think the the timesheets are showing that already.
2: Yeah, because there was some criticism, you know. There and and there's a lot of us. It's like, you know, stop comparing the F1 car, cars to Indy cars, because it it doesn't matter the speed difference. What matters is to, is the show. I mean, I think NASCAR has proven that over the years, where the speed of of NASCAR a lot of these tracks have actually fallen. Keep kind of creeping backwards especially at like the super speedways they want to keep it at 200 or under they don't want to you know they could easily go well over that but i you know it's it's the show that's the most important thing people want to see you know cars you know cars driven in anger so to speak and i think you and, and and they can certainly do that at that track can't they
5: well, I'll tell you, you know, you're going to see a lot better race than you would ever see in Formula One. I mean, Formula One, is it's just a parade, mm. as, as we have talked about many a times on the show, about Mercedes and Ferrari dominance over the pack also. But uh, look, what's going to happen? And you have a really great driver lineup with a lot of international drivers that have tried Formula 1 and Mm -hmm. they're here and the racing is competitive I mean it's going to be a second to cover the field I'm sure less than that and where Formula 1 is two seconds or like Sebring last weekend where Toyota was two seconds faster uh, than the third place car so it's really exciting
2: yeah, and of course, last week uh, Sebring, and uh, thank you for posting some photos of kind of the things to do and, and people to see in in Sebring. And one of the guys they always show on TV, obviously with with the race at length, you can show a lot of things. And I always love what they uh, what they do with the crowds at, at Sebring and that, because it is certainly an in not only entertaining race on the track, but especially all the people that come there. Them themselves can be part of the entertainment, and one of those are, are of course, are the Vikings, and and, and that that you met. And t- tell us a bit about them.
5: Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, in 20 years of going to that Sebring race, it, it's just unbelievable, and this year was no exception. It, it was amazing to, to see the crowd, and you know, with the WEC racing, the World Endurance Championship racing there. And Fernando Alonso being there and into running a back-to-back race to, you know, the 1,000-mile the race Friday night and the 12-hour race on Saturday. It was incredible. Uh, the crowd, I've never seen that many people there. I know they always estimate and they always mm-hmm. come up with a number that's, you know, not always true. But this year, I can honestly say whatever number they said, it, it was more than that, I think, even. It was... And you have the Monks, you have the Vikings, and uh, just a lot of... Uh, it, it's just a very... It, it's more like a carnival mm-hmm. race. I, mean, I think half the people there uh, don't even know who's racing. Or mm-hmm. by the end of the weekend, they don't know who's racing. But it's just, it, it's a great festive, uh, time. It's spring break. It's becoming such a great event.
2: Well, tell us a bit about, cause I'm kind of curious about the race that they had on Friday and that's the WEC race, which is the world endurance mm-hmm. championship. And, and just for our listeners who might not be familiar, tell us the kind of the, the difference, the thumbnail sketch between, the the, the WEC cars and what raced on, uh, on, on Saturday for the 12-hour race because they certainly look the same and pretty much you know, they, they are the same, aren't they, in a lot of regards?
5: Well, and that's what made it so great because you had Ford Factory UK, which is run by Chip Ganassi, and you had the American uh, Ford GT team there too running separate races but in a different points championship race. And yes, they did. They are familiar. I mean, they're very close. I mean, they're the same cars that are running in GT, and very familiar with racing them. I mean, driving your street cars, I should say. But when you get to the bigger class, like the prototype, you'll see the Toyota hybrid that was that's been really
2: dominating.
3: I think yeah. we lost them.
2: Yeah, let, let's take a quick break. Uh, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll work with uh, Eddie getting his uh, cell phone back. And when we come back, we're going to do predictions on the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and the David Hobbs Honda. Final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure to check out GreatLakes Dragway.com and get your 2019 season pass. Jeff, weather's warming up, and so we're the action at Great Lakes Dragway.
3: Cannot wait to get my hands on some of that awesome food down there and see that great racing. So
2: it's gonna be great. Should be a lot of fun. And also, uh, if you have a if you're looking for a new car, how about David Hobbs Honda? Make sure to check out David Get lots of choices. Not only for a new car, but a used car. So uh, make sure you check out DavidHobbs.com, 6100 North Green Bay Road in Glendale. And joining us once again on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. And Eddie, uh, what's the latest at RacingNation.com? Well, I'm just
5: getting geared up. Uh, I mean, after Seabrook next week, one, it's wow! And Jack, we can go to RacingNation.com and check out Jack Webster's uh, great football photography from Sebring. Some awesome
2: shots. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, Jack is uh, one of the best out there. Always love his photography and especially at a place like Sebring last week uh, so many opportunities uh, for him for different uh, shots, not only uh, during the day but also at night. So lots of cool stuff from Jack. Always appreciate his work. And uh, give us some final thoughts on uh, Sebring, please. Well, I mean, just
5: you know I think it's it's gonna be something that we're gonna see in the future. I think they're gonna race again together and we can see some unity between the two series and possibly Lamar we could see Penske. I think that's where.
2: happen yeah, i think it's just going to make it a lot better really right and uh of course this weekend uh we got the uh, nascars in martinsville deal paperclip for the sdp 500 give us a pick for uh nascar eddie
3: say it again eddie your phone's breaking up again
2: Hi. Hi. kyle bush kyle, kyle bush. bush we heard that and how about indycar
5: I'm going to go with Rossi. I think
2: he's going to pick this one. Alexander Rossi, I like those picks. Very good. Eddie, we certainly appreciate you uh, joining the show, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. All right, thanks. That's Eddie Lapine. Make sure to check out his stuff at racingnation.com. All right, and how about your picks, Jeff? What are we looking at?
3: Well, I am going to go with uh, Clint Boyer uh, for Martinsville. Two in a row. Two in a row. I think uh, I think he's got the speed this week, and then on the IndyCar side, I look into my crystal ball, singular, and uh, I'm feeling willpower.
2: Okay, willpower. I'm gonna go Ryan Blaney and Felix Rosenquist. I'm uh, gonna go your two in a row. Rosenquist. I'm gonna go two in a row. He's gonna win one of these before Indy. Hey, I, you know,
3: I hope so. He's shown the speed. so the And, you know, the kid obviously has talent to
2: spare. Certainly, yeah, man. Appreciate uh, Dennis Michelson for coming on the show earlier today. Make sure you check out D-Mike Media for all the latest uh, from Dennis. He's doing a lot of interesting things this year, uh, not only in the world of NASCAR, but short track racing too. And uh, make sure you check us out. Us out. The, uh, the final inspection show on Facebook. That's TFI, the final inspection show on uh, Facebook. And then also you can tweet us, uh, Steve, and then last name Zotke, Z-A-U-T-K-E and Twitter. And Jeff?
3: I'm at Jeff underscore Orlowski, O-R-L-O-S-K-I. No W. Appreciate uh, good having you back, Jeff. Oh, it's fun. It was nice being gone in Arizona for a couple weeks, but... Uh, it's good to be back. I, I missed it being in here on
2: Saturday morning, so it's nice being back. All right. You're listening to The Final Inspection Show. We'll talk to you next week.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's In Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.